the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Lindsay Barnett. Welcome back to the London Free Press Podcast. Thank you once again for joining us. We took last week off. I got a ton of messages again. Thank you for that. Um, Just so you know, you can always hit subscribe on all of the platforms we are streaming, Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, um, of course, over on YouTube and lfpress.com. But you will get notifications when a new podcast episode is uploaded and available to stream. Um, So you never have to miss out. You never have to worry about what's going on if We miss a week um, because vacations are a real thing, especially approaching Christmas. But thank you once again for joining us. I'm your host, Lindsay Barnett. I am joined once again by London Free Press City Hall reporter, Megan Stacey. Megan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining me. You and Randy Richmond wrote a very important article about uh, River Road, the golf course, the clubhouse. Um, There was a big arson there back on November 7th. A man has now been accused of the arson, and this speaks to a whole bigger issue and a bigger can of worms, if you will. Um, So first, take me back to the arson and what has been uncovered in the investigation to start. For sure. So on November 7th, there was a fire, crews were called, uh, really ripped through the River Road Clubhouse. So council voted to shut that golf course. It's been, um, you know, at a commission for the last year. And this fire um, was a big deal, about a million dollars in damage and police were called in. Uh, They've deemed that fire suspicious. And so it was this week that we heard uh, someone had been charged. In fact, it's a city worker who's been charged with arson. Um, so essentially, you know, deliberately setting that fire, he's accused of, of doing that. Um, and uh, as you say, this blaze has a lot of implications for the city because there were plans to open uh, a winter, temporary winter shelter at that golf course, one of two in the city. And that was going to be the Indigenous led uh, winter shelter run by Atlosa uh, Family Healing Services. And they were going to be helping, you know, Indigenous folks who are homeless. Um, have a safe and supportive and culturally sensitive place to spend the winter. So, you know, after we we see this blaze rip through the clubhouse, um, you can see some of the photos online, there was quite a bit of damage. And the clubhouse was supposed to be part of the shelter, right? There was the potential to um, have showers there, uh, possibly prepare some meals, have some community services. And so that threw, um, you know, a lot of those plans into doubt. And of course, at LOSA, um, you know, they said, we're not really comfortable having this shelter here anymore. We think this may have been a targeted act. Uh, Lots of concern about anti-Indigenous racism in the city and especially through that act uh, once that arson charge was laid. Um, And so what we end up with is, you know, uh, an organization that was intended to operate that shelter really not feeling comfortable or welcome or safe uh, to actually go through with that this winter. And I think the concerning thing is this shelter was supposed to be open for December 1st. We are less than two weeks away from that date. What's going to happen? Because obviously there is a need for this in the city. Where are these people supposed to go? And what is Atlosa looking at right now um, in terms of a shelter? Because we're kind of up against a clock here and the weather. We've already had flurries this year. Um, so what are, what are we looking at? And do we still think that a December 1st target is realistic? 
It's exactly as you say, Lindsay. I mean, you got a tight timeline. It was always going to be a tight timeline. This winter response plan was uh, intended to be approved by city council this week. So you'd get that final sign off and then city staff and all of these community partners like at LOSA would be able to spring into action, start laying the groundwork, get these things uh, up and running. It's not just the winter shelters, but those two temporary shelters are, are one of the biggest pieces of this winter plan. Uh, so you're always going to have a pretty tight timeline. As you say, we've already seen flurries, the snow has started flying, and it is pretty darn cold out there. Um, and, you know, from Atlosa's perspective, they've said we don't have any specific spaces to run an Indigenous-led effort, um, you know, for people who are experiencing homelessness, you know, to really have that reconnection to the land. That was going to be a big piece of operating the shelter at River Road. And so you're left with a lot of questions. So after the fire, Atlosa put out a statement, um, you know, and, and did a whole round of interviews um, talking about an alternate location, right, or, or really calling on the community, anyone who might be able to provide that alternate location. So what we heard this week at City Council uh, from the Deputy City Manager who's in charge of the housing file is that there is another location that's been found. We don't know where that is yet. It's, you know, it sounds like just inches away from, from getting that information. Um, things are getting finalized here this week. And what we know is that uh, it will work for Atlosa. Uh, it sounds like there's enough room and space uh, there to really provide that opportunity that Atlosa was looking for to help people reconnect to the land and, and have that natural space. Um, so you, you, got to think of the locations that's pretty limited in the city. Um, I'm really hopeful and I think a lot of people are really hopeful that it will be up and running for December 1st, but it's likely going to depend on how quickly this uh, site, wherever it is, can be finalized and things can get into motion. So we know that at Losa, um, uh, did receive some offers at Lawson City Hall. We're working together to try and relocate this shelter. Um, I'm not privy to all those details. I don't know exactly where they were, but we do know that there's one um, that will hopefully work and should be, uh, you know, as we say, getting the T's crossed and the I's dotted. And so I think um, there is still hope that that shelter will be available for December 1st, knowing that this is actually a fairly similar timeline to when things were really going to get going at River Road um, after that council approval. But it's a really good question. I mean, as you say, the timeline is really tight. So I think you're really up, to, up against the clock, um, you know, no matter where you are, and especially having this last minute change to another location. And I think another concern, at least for me, I, as I was reading your and Randy's article over at lfpress.com, and for anybody listening to this, please go read it. It's it's such an important discussion to have in the city. Um, what's to stop someone else from doing this again at the next site? Because homeless shelters in the city last year were a huge discussion. A lot of residents in the city were very unhappy with where some of the temporary trailers had been set up, uh, saying it was affecting real estate. They they didn't want um, homeless people in and around their neighborhoods, especially if they had young children or it was close to parks. There was a laundry list of excuses as to why people didn't want homeless shelters set up in their neighborhood. That's obviously cause for concern, especially given the fire that happened at River Road. What is the city saying with regards to the new location and how to take steps to prevent something like this happening again? Because this speaks to a way bigger systematic racism issue. Yeah, that's a really good question too, Lindsay. Um, 
you know, I think Atlosa really came out strong um, after the fire and especially after the city worker, um, Michael Peter Belanger was charged with arson, right? And they said, we can find a new location. Um, you know, we can work on this, but that's not going to stop the violence. They called it violence, right? And um, from Atlosa's perspective, um, you know, executive director Raymond Deliri had a really strong quote about uh, you know, the overt and systemic racism and discrimination that Indigenous people in this area have faced, um, you know, not just for years, but for centuries, right? And so for this organization, and I'm sure for many Indigenous people, that really cuts to the core, right? You see, you know, an arson charge laid, um, you know, a suggestion that a fire was deliberately set, uh, you know, to potentially to stop a shelter. Um, you know, we, we don't know and we don't know for sure that that fire was was deliberately set, obviously, but that that's the implication, um, you know, through a charge and that and that will be figured out through the legal process, obviously. But I think if you're at Loser or if you're, you know, a regular Londoner, you're sitting there thinking, wow, like, is this is this really what we've come to, right? And so that prompted calls from Atlosa for um, some larger, some broader changes. They're calling on City Hall to immediately invest in Indigenous um, space for, you know, an, an Indigenous homelessness response, something like this shelter, but also in addition, um, at Losa used to have uh, a resting space program. Those were pretty previously called crash beds, uh, but that um, was whisked away during the pandemic because it couldn't operate with these physical distancing requirements. So they're going to city hall and they're saying, we need help. And frankly, we need the cash, right? They're calling it investment. And they also called for indigenous led, indigenous run um, anti-racism programs, you know, for staff at city hall, um, all, you know, 27, 2800 city workers to be taking anti-indigenous uh, racism training to really try and chip away at, at um, you know, what's, what you say and, and what Atlosa is describing here as, as a much bigger issue than one suspicious fire or one shelter, um, you know, or, or one act of violence. Uh, I think the, uh, the, the concern, as you say, is that you can address one issue, you know, charges have been laid, a court process will unfold, but that doesn't necessarily speak to all of those other incidents of violence, you know, the smaller microaggressions, all of those things that Indigenous people are facing in the city. And we do know that, right? We, we had a recent study um, that was commissioned and, and came through uh, city hall and city politicians showing that, uh, you know, indigenous people do face discrimination and racism in the city on a daily basis. Um, so I think, you know, it, it really, as you say, it sort of speaks to an undercurrent in this city. And I think there's a lot of people shaking their heads and a lot of people, hopefully, you know, taking that look inward to say, you know, wow, is this, is this really what we're about? You know, because as you said, Lindsay, there is a lot of concern about um, homelessness response, you know, where shelters are located. But there's quite a difference between, you know, writing a letter to city council as the partner of, of the man accused in this uh, suspicious fire um, did and, uh, and, and, you know, complaining or uh, expressing concern about a location. There's quite a difference between that and what we've seen this month, um, you know, including criminal charges. Absolutely. Um, Megan, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. I want to get kind of into the numbers a little bit. So the River Road Shelter was going to be set up to host around 30 Indigenous people. Um, can we talk about the homelessness rate within the City of London and what percentage of that 
uh, is Indigenous people because it's the numbers are staggering. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you asked that, Lindsay. I mean, the proportion of Indigenous people that are experiencing homelessness is, you know, hugely disproportionate compared to, um, you know, the Indigenous uh, percentage of, of the overall population, right? So Indigenous people make, about, make up about 2.6% of London's population. Those are the most recent stats that we have. But, uh, you know, about 30% of folks who are experiencing homelessness in London uh, identify or um, are Indigenous. And so, you know, I mean, the, just just the connection or really the disconnect there, um, I think you really see. And, you know, there's an Indigenous homelessness plan that's in place, um, you know, both City Hall and Atlosa uh, were involved in creating that and Atlosa is leading it. And you can really see when you hear those numbers, the need for it, right? And I think that's also what uh, spurred the the idea and the need for a winter shelter that was specifically, you know, an Indigenous-led response, be run by an Indigenous agency, and it would be specifically for um, Indigenous people who are experiencing homelessness, right? And that's, that's why um, that was included in this winter plan. It was the, one of these two shelters, um, and, and clearly you can see the need for it. And I think you're also seeing at LOSA you know, really drive that message home um, in the last couple of weeks after the fire saying we really need this, right? We need a space, we need an indigenous led location. And look at the backlash that we're getting, you know, just for trying to operate a site, you know, to help indigenous people who, who don't have Absolutely. a home. Absolutely. Um, we're running out of time, Megan, but just quickly, I want to know what's the next steps in the case for the accused, this accused city worker? Um, he's been charged, but what now? Absolutely. So that person, Michael Peter Belanger, he's uh, suspended with pay from his job at City Hall. He's a fleet supervisor. Um, uh, uh, and so um, he's at home, obviously, he's, he's not at work. Um, but he returns uh, for a court appearance early in February, February 7th, um, is when he'll be back. And so obviously these things take a little bit of time. Uh, it's likely to expect that there'd be an internal investigation at City Hall as well before any changes there are made to his status um, or to that suspension with pay. And obviously the judicial process um, will take, you know, some time. Uh, we can already see, you know, it's middle of November and the first, the next appearance is until February. So it's going to take some time, um, but uh, that individual won't be at work uh, clearly until that time. And uh, it's, I'd say it's unlikely it would, that we'd get more details early in February, but at least we know that's the next step in the process. Perfect. Thank you so much for your insight, Megan. As always, I really appreciate your time. It's always great chatting with you. Um, again, if you're listening and you want to catch up on the latest stories at LF Press on Twitter is great for breaking news happening in the city. Or if you just need to play a catch up, I know life gets a little crazy, head over to lfpress.com. Or of course, you can read all these fantastic stories in the pages of the London Free Press. We'll be back again next Thursday with another edition of the LF Press podcast. Until then, stay well.